This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. I've got my good uh, app friends, uh, Graham Williams and John Beeler, who uh, also helped put the show together. And a shout out to Christina Stoyanova, who used to be one of the hosts on the show, who is out exploring the world and discovering herself <laughs> for a year. So uh, she's still helping put the program together. Uh, the different segments. And, and having stuff. a great time in Honduras right now. Yeah, I hate her. <laughs> we uh, have uh, some interesting stuff coming up uh, in a little bit. Uh, we've got Igor Bonifacic from Mobile. No, sorry. He's with Engadget.com That's right. now. Moving he leveled on. up. He leveled up. He's going to be talking about an interesting story. Amazon, they're one of the book-selling leaders. Not only physical books, but e-books. They also own Audible.com, which is audiobooks. Well, they have a new feature coming out that lets you transcribe those audio books into text. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm sure the publishers will be totally cool with that. Yeah, there's a lawsuit waiting there. Totally. It's happening already. Oh, good. Uh, we'll get the lowdown on that. Uh, but let's talk about some of the uh, the news out there in the app worlds. And uh, this was kind of interesting. And I know you've actually got a pair of Snap spectacles. So Snap, Snapchat, they came out with these glasses that actually have built-in like a built-in video camera that you could take uh, photos and also small little videos. Yes. They're coming out with Spectacles 3 with an updated design and a second HD camera. Are you excited, John? And will you get a pair? No and no. <laughs> These are going to go for sale for $380. Which is significantly more than the previous version. U.S. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's nice that they're going to have uh, some newer features, a little bit more higher-end components and things like that. But I think the spectacle ship has sailed. Okay. Um, you know, perhaps if you're into Snapchat a lot, this might appeal to you. But, but it's also a premium cost for something that arguably wasn't even used that much before. And this is the third iteration of them. I don't know if they're just trying to get their R&D money out of this, this thing or not. But... Um, I really like the idea of these type of glasses because it has a camera. So if you're doing any kind of activities where you wouldn't want to have like a GoPro or something like that, it's great for that type of thing. Um, but I'm also just not a person that's creating content for Snapchat every day either. So I'm probably not the target market, but perhaps there is one. I'm just not sure it's a premium target market. So Snap says you'll be able to capture 70 videos and more than 200 photos on a charge and the four gigs of storage on the pair of glasses can hold up to 100 videos or 1,200 photos. A full charge takes about 75 minutes. Is this something that you would even consider, Graham? To be honest, the, when the first pair came out, I, was, I looked at them and like, these look goofy. And because they, they, they took round pictures, did they not? Yeah, it's a spherical image. Yeah. So I, I was looking at it going, I am not super keen on this. But over the course of the last few years, I find myself going out and doing more interesting, exciting things. And I hate the process of pulling my camera out of my pocket, yes. pulling my phone out of my pocket to go take a picture. So I've actually been looking into wearable cameras. Uh, you know, they've got a, a bunch of like activity cameras that clip onto, you know, either a piece of clothing or a bag. So this actually is starting to appeal to me. What I would really like at this point, though, is something that I can almost record parts of my daily life that would use AI to go through and find the best looking pictures. They, they kind of does that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, when you're putting together your on, on Snapchat, you download all of your stuff and it sort of creates like a highlight reel if you will. yeah so but what i'm looking for now is something that is kind of running all of the time 
right? So when I'm sort of out and about, maybe it's just something that I know that I'm doing something cool so I can I can turn on recording. Note, note to self, do not hang out with Graham. <laughs> really what I'm looking for, I think I'm pronouncing this right, it's called evidence. <laughs> yeah, well, think about this. I mean, but it's happening, right? So there's like these snap or spectacles by snap that have yeah. two high definition cameras built into them. Uh, you can tell. The, the good thing is you can tell. These yeah. look kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and so it's funny. I actually did a segment on the Get Connected TV show. It's got to be going back maybe five years now where we talked about when Google Glass first, yes. first launched. And I said, this thing is going to be an abject failure. And it's not because the technology is wrong. I'm like, we're just not ready for it yet. The idea of someone wearing a camera on their face five years ago was creeping us out. We're actually getting to the point now where it's becoming more accepted. I'm saying we probably got two or three years before this becomes something that is commonplace, but we're getting to that point. Yeah, I think it'll take maybe a better version from Google or Apple or someone big to actually introduce a camera in this way. It's, it's Honestly, I think you kind of hit on it. Apple is going to be the company that probably, if this happens, will normalize it. They will take the creep factor down and they're going to market the hell I don't, out of it. I don't see it coming out anytime soon from Apple. Well, we, on, on, on the last show, we talked about Sketch AR, right? Which is this app that lets you, you know, draw on a piece of paper by looking through your phone. That's the piece right now that doesn't work for people. I don't want to right. look through my phone. I need yeah. something that is more seamless. We're all wearing glasses right now. Yeah. And being able to look through a screen and have that augmented reality, plus also being able to record those life moments. You know, here's, here's the funny thing. Here's what I can see happening. Do you want a little futurism right now? You're wearing a pair of Apple spectacles that has the camera built into it. And it uses the Apple Watch to determine when your heart rate is elevated to know when something actually is interesting or exciting to you. And it tags that moment for you to review later. That's not good. It's going to happen. It's not good. Wait for it. What it if was you just drank a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get a lot of uninteresting videos of uh, you drinking from a can of this Red Bull. This spreadsheet is so exciting right now. I'm, I'm at 140 beats per minute. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I have a pair of sunglasses that have a video camera built into them mm-hmm. that uh, I actually brought down to my brother's wedding back uh, several years ago and took videos with it. It was interesting. Yeah. I, uh, it was funny, too, because I was actually in the wedding party. And so I had one of my friends, uh, her name is Dana, uh, who's a little shorter than I am, wear them to, to film it. I thought, hey, this is great. She can be watching, wearing sunglasses because we're on a uh, beach in Mexico. And... Anyway, I thought, Mike, you're a genius. I got the video back, and because she's a little shorter than I am, most of the video was basically of us from the chin down. Because <laughs> she didn't really know where the field of view she was. She couldn't frame it. She couldn't anything. frame yeah. it. So pro tip, get the tallest person in the room to but wear these things. they're kind of creepy because you can't, they were sunglasses, so they're kind of black. You yeah. couldn't tell there's a video yeah. camera in them. Yeah. Huh. So there's, there's I mean, some- definitely that was one thing I liked about Google Glass was that I had the ability to turn the camera on and off at, at whim yeah. um, without having to really do anything. And I could still get updates. You know, it just, like Graham said, it, we just weren't quite, the world wasn't quite ready for it yet. Yeah. We are going to have to take a break here on the app show. Uh, and I do want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we've still got our hot five uh app countdown coming up uh, but coming up after the break we're going to be talking about audible which is owned by amazon they do audiobooks and they've come up with a feature where you can actually transcribe the audiobook that uh, you have for some that might be kind of cool uh, for the publishers maybe not so much because that's taken away some money we'll find out what's going to be happening with that we're going to be talking with igor bonifacic from engadget.com 
You are listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We will be back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio with John Beeler. Let's talk about books, ebooks, and audiobooks. There's a, a new battle brewing between Amazon and some of the major publishing houses down in the U.S., and it comes uh, around a new feature that's supposed to be coming out from Amazon, and specifically their Audible audiobook uh, service, allowing users uh, to actually have the audio transcribed into text. To help us understand what's going on here, we've got our tech experts, Igor Bonifacic from Engadget.com. Igor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, this is interesting. So for those listeners out there that don't know what Audible is, it's probably the premier service to download audiobooks of your favorite books. There's a new service coming out called Captions, and it's going to allow you to actually have that audiobook transcribed through machine learning into text. So Amazon's arguing, this is great for students. The publishing houses are going, this is crap because <laughs> they're probably losing out on money. It's an is ebook. That, it's an ebook. Igor, is that what it boils down to? Essentially, yeah. So, you know, for the uh, publishers, and it's the big five in the US, uh, they're arguing, you know, uh, what this uh, service is doing is transcribing a book and therefore creating kind of another version of it, an ebook, if you will. And the license for an audiobook is separate from the license from an ebook. And therefore, Audible needs to get a license for both if it wants to um, provide these transcripts to students. But how good is that transcribing? You know, I've, I've seen like Google translations work before <laughs> and it's not always perfect. You know, it was the best of times. It was the crappiest of times. Like they can start getting things and, wrong. And what audiobooks do students need to listen to and transcribe for classwork? They're not getting textbooks this way. No. It'd be like traditional uh, fiction. Yeah, so um, Amazon is kind of like positioning this as kind of uh, a tool for students that have difficulty either reading or learning or understanding, right? And so it's in this way, you know, it's supposed to reinforce if you're listening to an audiobook, it's supposed to reinforce the language. So not only do you hear it, but you see it at the same time. Um, and as you might know, like, you know, different people learn differently. There are people who it's easier to um, they learn for them to learn by seeing, uh, by doing or by listening. Um, and so that's, I think, the the main way they're positioning this. The interesting thing, though, is they're going to also offer this to Audible subscribers, right? And so um, I think that's where these publishers are getting upset is that clearly, you know, it's not, this is not just, even though Amazon might position this as primarily for students, it's also offering to its paying customers. Well, And, and I think that what, what you just outlined for the students could benefit anybody of any age. Uh, totally. You know, especially if it's a complex topic you want to be able to see what they're talking about read those words can i just step back here don't they have the original <laughs> in like text format like couldn't they just offer that <laughs> hey do you want the text version as well an extra dollar wouldn't that like solve everyone's problem but james Oliver jones just uh you know <laughs> transcribed it or spoke it for you yeah it's i it seems like a weird technology to bring out when you already have like why do you need to have the book transcribed from audio into text when you already have the original text. Like Amazon's obviously trying to get around something here, don't you think? Um, I think, you know, for Amazon, it's really, you know, like Jeff Bezos did not 
build Amazon into the empire it is by being generous, right? And so, <laughs> um, you know, and like... What? You know, like, ask just Amazon workers how they feel about their company, right? Um, I think this is like some bean counter did the math and was like, well, like, if we quote unquote use machine learning, there's a potential kind of you know, workaround where we could get away with saving X amount of dollars. Um, and that might, that amount of money might be significant or it might be like less than we even imagine. Right. But someone decided like the amount of development and potential like legal backlash that we might face on this is totally worth it if we can save this amount of money. Right. And so there's a kind of cynicism that I see with this that, um, it's kind of hard to look around. But couldn't they also just have a Audible Plus account where you get the ebook version? Yes. Yes. Like kind of like, like when why you, did they do that? When you buy a Blu-ray, you get the digital version with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that crazy uh, talk? <laughs> I think to Igor's point, it's probably just more complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's like far more compli- I think it's far more complicated than we might know at this point. And it's I a think legal what's nest. Yeah, but you know what's also interesting about this is like if this comes to a head and a judge is forced to rule on this, there could be so many implications, right? Because it is a quote unquote artificial intelligence feature, right? Um, and so the judge might be forced to like rule on the nature of artificial intelligence, right? And like, what does it mean when an AI creates a piece of work, even though it's just like kind of slavishly transcribing something, right? Um, and so for something as like minor as this is like, oh, it's just transcription. This could have far reaching consequences across <laughs> the entire field. So the, the five ma- major publishers uh, down in the US, uh, these would be like, you know, Harper Collins, Hatchet, Macmillan, Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster. They're suing Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, it's a lawsuit which they've all joined forces together to uh, put up against Amazon. What, what kind of business is that, right? They have to sue their, their main customer and they can't really do anything about it because if they pull their books from Amazon, they will lose huge chunks, huge chunks, huge chunks of, of revenue because Amazon literally from an ebook perspective and a physical book perspective is the biggest game in town, isn't it, Igor? Yeah, and you know what's interesting is like um, this is something like they've gone through this before and it also had to do with a uh, transcription feature. This was about 10 years ago with the Kindle 2, Amazon released this kind of uh, text-to-speech feature. Now, it didn't work really well because this was 10 years ago, but like the publishers were similarly livid, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you are trying to destroy our livelihoods, right? Yeah. And so um, this is like, this is an old game, song and dance for them, right? You think Amazon's just trying to see how far they can push the boundaries here? Maybe settle out of court? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's so hard to say, right? Because more so than any other like 10 company, even Apple at this point, App, uh, Amazon is really secretive, right? And, um, and I think there is also, whether it's correct or not to say, like I think there is this kind of like, aura around them that makes them seem more quote unquote evil than other tech companies, or at least, you know, more willing to kind of push the boundaries on certain things. Right. Um, and it all comes back to Jeff, right? Like Jeff is like a bulldog in this kind of arena, right? Like we'll just do almost anything to get Amazon from point A to point B. 
There you have it. Igor Bonifacic says that Jeff Bezos is uh, an evil person. <laughs> Do not say that. Don't quote me as saying that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's uh, obviously built a, a fantastic company. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens here. I wonder how many people are actually going to use this function. Couldn't Four. they just roll it out as like a beta test to see how many people are transcribing and like work with the publishing companies? Hey, this is what's happening. Is there an opportunity here? You know, I think we'll we'll see, right? Like, um, probably, you know, I did say there was that possibility of a landmark decision. I think more likely, like you said, they'll settle out of court and everyone will be on their merry way and they'll, everyone will still be making money, which, you know, probably is for the best. A year from now, no one will care about this feature anymore either. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me. That was Igor Bonifacic from Engadget.com. you got to check out his articles uh, up on that website. They are fantastic. He's one of my favorite uh, journalists uh, in the tech world. When we come back from the break, more apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got Graham and John with me still. We're uh, talking apps. Before we get to the Hot 5 app countdown this week, which is Hot 5 apps to learn how to play the piano. It's kind of cool. Okay. Uh, let's learn something about our iPhones. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. So one of the things that I have thought would never actually take off but has taken off is QR codes. Even more so now than I thought before, too. Yeah. I know. I thought when they first came out, no, oh, they're okay, and then dead. These things are dead. But you're right. They are back to life. Yeah. I, I actually had a company come to me in 2012. We're like, how do we use QR codes? And I said, you don't. Uh, but here they are. So there's actually a really cool thing that you can do. Uh, with an iPhone uh, 6S or newer. And if with iOS 12, you can actually 3D touch an image to scan it to see if it has a QR code. Oh. So if you've taken a picture of something that has a QR code, you can press and hold, and you'll actually get a notification saying, scan for QR code. And you'll be able to visit a website. So you go, you go into your photo library on your phone, and if you know there's a QR code in the picture that you've taken, you do push. That, that's you correct. Push a little harder. 3D touch. Are they still doing 3D touch though? I thought they're killing that. Well, and, and so this is the, the big question. Um, is, is it going to be gone in iOS 13 and beyond? And I guess we'll find out that in just a few months. I didn't really use it that much. Did you? I found it annoying because yeah. it was always <laughs> totally. popping up when you didn't want it to. And when you wanted it to, it wouldn't pop up or you'd have to keep pressing too hard. Or not hard enough. Well, because this actually came from the, the BlackBerry operating system, right? There was peak and poke. And so peak basically was like a soft touch. Poke was like, it really touched hard on the screen. And so people have difficulty there finding the different measures of how deep you have to touch your iPhone screen. Let's move along. The weekly app, Hot 5. Okay, Hot 5 app countdown this week. We're talking about the Hot 5 apps to help you learn the piano. I'm going to start it off with Piano 3D. This is for iOS it's eight bucks and piano 3d is a canadian app that offers an immersive audio and visual experience for piano learners it features really beautiful 3d graphics and allows you to try out different piano instruments it even lets you connect your keyboard via midi adapter to turn your piano performances into live 3d art piano 3d has a large user generated song library so you're unlikely to get bored of the song selection anytime soon in this app Number four on the Hot 5 app countdown, Graham, we've got Simply Piano. Simply Piano, so this is available for iOS and for Android. It comes with two free lessons, so you can get started. Uh, and there are three months, six months, and one year subscriptions beyond that. So you kind of have to commit 
a little bit, which I think anytime you're learning something new is not a bad idea. So Simply Piano offers a fast and fun way to learn the, to play the piano using any piano or keyboard. You can choose from a variety of songs, uh, and by placing your phone and the app open uh, on your piano or keyboard, you'll receive instant feedback on how you're playing. It also features step-by-step lessons and the ability to slow the pace of songs so you can learn at your own speed. Very cool. Number three on the Hot 5 app countdown this week, Piano Academy. John. This is for iOS and it has various subscription levels. It's the perfect app for the absolute beginner, like me. Um, It has lessons introduced by piano teachers teaching you theory topics like notes, the staff, chords, and much more. Once you start playing, the app listens and provides instant feedback. The great thing about this app is that it has a number of musical games that help train your musical hearing, rhythm, and hand coordination. It even features a virtual keyboard and piano a virtual piano keyboard so you can actually learn to play even if you haven't purchased a piano yet. Thanks, John. Number two on the Hot 5 app countdown, we've got Flow Key, and this is for Android and iOS, and they've got various subscription levels, so uh, you can check that out in the uh, applicable app stores. Flow Key, it's another slick piano learning app that you can get a free three-month premium subscription uh, to with the purchase of a Yamaha keyboard. I'm just going to buy a Yamaha keyboard. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're buying one, hey. Uh, this one features lessons to get you started and even lets you practice right hands and left hands separately before combining them, just like a teacher would. You know, I wish they had this stuff when I was a kid. Me too. I had to get, like, a real piano. But we couldn't afford that, so we didn't get anything. Well, that's fair. So I didn't And learn. you enjoyed nothing. Well, I, I learned the recorder <laughs> in school, which didn't really get me anywhere. Okay, Graham, number one, we've got Playground Sessions. So Playground Sessions is available for iPad. It's also available for uh, both Windows and Mac. It's $18 a month. And uh, this is you know, by far one of the best piano tutor apps. Uh, reason being, it was co-created by music legend Quincy Jones. It also features tutors like Harry Connick Jr. You might remember him from his star turn in the uh, film Independence Day, right? Yes, that's right. Did he die? He did die, yes. He was one of the Black Knights and ended up slamming into a canyon wall. Sorry. Quite sad. Not showing up for Independence Day 3. So if you have a keyboard with a MIDI connection, Playground Sessions is fully interactive, providing instant feedback on the notes you've gotten right and those you haven't got right, as well as whether or not you've got the rhythm right. Very cool. Thanks. That was a Hot 5 app countdown, Hot 5 piano learning apps. When we come back from the break, Apple, big announcement this week. We're going to give you the lowdown on all the highlights. Are you going to buy one of these new iPhones? Well, you'll uh, learn all about them in the next segment. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. And welcome back to the App Show. Uh, I'm your host, Graham Williams. I'm here with John Beeler. And today we are talking about uh, the, the most recent Apple event. Yes. Some really cool stuff came out as far as apps and services. This is sort of the, the, the new thing for Apple, right? They've, they've brought out a lot of really great hardware over the course of the last 13 or 14 years. And now we're starting to see this shift into the app space and the service space that they are more focused on delivering directly to their consumers. So the big one that we saw uh, this past week, and it's launching soon, is Apple Arcade. That's right. And so Apple Arcade is a subscription service. What's it, what's it going for now? Uh, I think it's five ninety nine Canadian. Okay. And so that was, that was for a family plan as well. Right. So any device in your house. And so I know for myself, like I'm on a, a family plan with Apple and I've got Apple Music and iCloud and all that sort of stuff. And it's actually not just a physical location because I've got uh, my partner and then I've got my parents on the same account. Right. Uh, which I'm not really sure my parents are going to take a ton of advantage of <laughs> Apple Arcade. 
which I mean, it's sort of an interesting service here, right? They've gone out and they've said that gaming is huge. I mean, we, we talked about this a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, how I think it was upwards of $50 billion of the gaming <clears throat> economy was now for mobile games. Right. And up to this point, we have seen Nintendo in there back in the 80s with the Game Boy. Uh, Sony jumped into that space for a little while with the PlayStation Portable uh, and the PS Vita. And then Apple sort of came along and has kind of eaten everyone's lunch with that sort of mobile connected game space. Challenge is, I think a lot of people have seen this and they've said, so a lot of gamers have seen it and said, this isn't real gaming. You know, you've got a lot of people who are paying for microtransactions right now. And Apple has come in and said, we're going to do what we do here. They've talked to developers. They've got 100 exclusive games. That sounds very impressive. Yeah. Because these are games that won't be available on any other platform that are from top-tier developers that they're betting the farm on this Apple arcade system. And, and so instead of selling these games, you know, for... 99 cents, $5. I know Square Enix sells a lot of their stuff for like 13 to 25 bucks. These are games like Final Fantasy that, you know, used to go for over $100 in Canada. Um, I remember paying $109.99 for Final Fantasy 3 back, back when that first came out. Um, so now it's 5 bucks a month, $5.99 a month. And you as a user get access to all of these games. Your whole family gets access to all of these games. And developers get paid essentially for being part of this program. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how they're paying developers for this. Uh, you know, when Taylor Swift gets uh, her song streamed, she gets a small little microtransaction back from that streaming service. Is that what's going to happen? The more times your game is played, you're going to get paid more? Well, that, that, that could be. I mean, Apple's made a, a huge deal about making sure that developers get paid for things, right? Yep. They, they take a 30% cut, which mm-hmm. some developers have been really upset about, but it's like there's a whole ecosystem that wouldn't exist here. Right. If Not to mention marketing and everything else that you, you don't have to really do as much with that platform. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the cost of entry here is quite a bit lower for, uh, for individual users, not just financial costs, but sort of that... Uh, that friction barrier to downloading games. I know yep. for myself, like I don't have a ton of time for games on my phone. Um, so when I do download one, I find myself doing this. I download it, um, especially if it's a free-to-play title, and then I don't play it, and then I come back in six months and just delete the app. Yes. Whereas I think these higher-quality games that I do want to play, the fact that it's sort of rolled into this price per month, I think we'd end up playing more games. The, the big problem I have with mobile gaming on my phone is just having enough time to really get into a game as opposed to just playing something very quick and simple while you're in line waiting for something. Now, they said something interesting at this keynote that I hadn't actually put together before. So this is iPhone. It's iPad. They also mentioned Apple TV. Yes. And they mentioned the Mac. Yes. So with uh, the new iOS, uh, sorry, the new Mac OS Catalina, uh, they have something called Catalyst where you can bring iPad apps over to the Mac uh, I'm wondering, you know, are we going to see the Mac now? A hmm. resurgence in the Mac as a gaming platform. And, um, and the other big feature here that they've kind of rolled out that I think a lot of us have been waiting for is Bluetooth controllers Yes, on, uh, the, uh, on the iPhone and on the iPad. And I know for myself personally, I'm actually waiting for this because of uh, PlayStation Remote Play. Right. Uh, being able to use your controller there. So anyway, uh, that's Arcade. The other big streaming service that was announced was Apple... TV Plus. TV Plus. Now, what what did you think of TV Plus? Um, it's one of those things that 
like Netflix, like Amazon Prime Video, it just really depends on the content. Um, they spend a lot of time showing off the trailers and the stars involved in their launch titles. Um, but honestly, for me, I didn't really see anything that made me go, oh, I need to subscribe for that. Yep. Um, the nice thing that they are doing, though, and, and like a- Apple Arcade, it's five ninety nine a month for the family, um, is that if you buy any new device from Apple, it will come with one-year subscription for free. So that might be a good sort of... Uh, appetizer if you will while they're sort of figuring out their content getting their stride as far as the type of releases who their audience is and that type of thing and Uh, i know we've both talked about getting new iphones right so it feels like anybody out there that's looking at the iphone 11 the iphone 11 pro or the new ipad they're going to see an influx of subscription numbers this is the interesting thing they're going to sell millions of these iphones and with those millions of iPhones, you're going to have millions of subscribers for Apple TV+. Plus. So that slow ramp up that we saw with Apple Music, uh, the slow ramp up that you've seen with other streaming services like Crave, uh, we're not going to have that. You're instantly going to have a fairly massive subscriber base. They tend to sell, you know, one to three million iPhones over the course of the first weekend. You immediately have three million subscribers. That looks great for those numbers as you start to report it. And now you've got people consuming that content, talking about that content and getting their friends and family interested in it as well. One thing I really would have liked Apple to come out with, uh, with respect to these subscription services, you know, you throw in uh, Arcade, TV Plus, and your iCloud subscription. It'd be great if they bundled this. Yeah. Right? Like, give me one, one bill a month for all Apple things. And, you know, maybe give me a little bit of a deal would be great. Uh, it just makes it a little bit more attractive than having all these disparate things. I kind of get the fact that, you know, if you're not into our gaming, you're not going to sign up for arcade, but it'd be nice, you know, give me an, uh, just give me a bundle where I can pay this price and get everything that they're going to be offering as a service. So I saw a Reddit post the other day and they said that, and this is for folks out of the U.S. because they have the uh, iPhone subscription program, the iPhone yes. update. Um, which, I lo- which I would love to come to Canada. Apple, if you're listening, that makes two of us. Um, and they looked at it and they said, it's about $90 a month. Uh, for all of your Apple stuff. That includes iCloud. Uh, that includes uh, Apple News Plus, yes. Apple TV Plus. Uh, it includes Arcade. It includes um, the uh, warranty, right? Uh, right. Apple, yes. Care, Apple Care, as well as the phone itself. Yeah. And so I kind of looked at it and I went, you know, in addition to the 75 bucks that I'm now paying Rogers for their unlimited plan, uh, would $90 be worth it for me for all of the Apple stuff if I could kind of just get it all together? And so I thought, yeah, actually... I'd be okay with that. You know, yeah. it's, it's $1,200 a year, uh, which is less than I was paying for cable to right. have, you know, the, the newest mobile device and all of the services. Would I pay that? Yeah, I think I would. And I, I can hear people out there cringing, going, you can get a $0 phone and just cor- cut the cord. But You get what you pay for. You do indeed. Um, Mac, uh, so I, iOS 13 is coming on the 19th. That's right. Uh, iPad OS is coming on the 30th. So if you've got those devices, you can be ready for uh, for a download. And watch OS 6. Watch OS 6. Um, so, so kind of rounding things out, iOS 13, I know for myself, kind of a bit of a big deal because I love photography on my iPhone. And there was a feature that, you know, I think we've all kind of looked at, and that is the slow-mo selfie. Slofies. Slofies. This is now going to be a thing. Yes. Right. And I, I think their, their ad for it was kind of hilarious. They had a, a young lady with like this beautiful silvery background and flowing hair. And then you realize that uh, her younger brother is actually holding a hairdryer and she's standing in front of foil. Yes. Uh, kind of a neat little ch- check that out if you haven't. Uh, any other thoughts on that? 
No, I just can't wait to spend a lot of money. <laughs> All right. So we are going to be spending some money on some Apple products fairly soon. Uh, this is the App Show. Keep listening. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Before we get to our game app of the week, John, you've got your John's pick of the week. What do you have? I've got Neuralcam Night Photography. This is for iOS. It's about $4. So many Android phones have uh, this featured night mode for photography. Uh, They've had these for a while now, starting off with the Pixel phones. Huawei Um, phones. Huawei phones, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's it's a really great feature. But really what it does is it just sort of bumps up the the exposure and that type of thing. Um, So now, thanks to Neuralcam, iPhone users can now take better nighttime photos. It works by capturing a series of frames at varying exposures and resolutions. The app then merges the frames using an advanced alignment algorithm that removes any handshake that occurs during capture. So this is really good if you don't have a tripod. Machine learning brightens, sharpens, and reduces noise in the photo. You think it's going to be good as uh, a Pixel? It's hard to say because really, what the Android phones are using, it's all using software as well. So, as long you know, and it's arguable who has the better sensor. You know, it depends on the phone and the the model and that type of thing. But but if you want to take your iPhone pictures to another level as far as night photography, this might be something to look at. I've literally just dropped the four bucks on this to see if it's going to meet that that need because my big thing has been night shots. Yes, and so I've said. I, I need a better night camera on my iPhone, so there you go, four bucks. I will let you know how it turns out. Neural Cam Night Photography, I think three ninety nine uh, in the Apple App Store. Okay, game app of the week, Graham. What do we have? So this week we've got Flipmaster, and this is available for iOS and for Android. And uh, you get to master the trampoline. Okay. You will do front flips, back flips, gainers, layouts, jumps, and bounces. It's a high score game where you're going to concentrate on timing your jumps and your flips right. So if you're not successful, you'll find yourself losing control and falling on the concrete beside you or landing on the uh, trampoline awkwardly, uh, probably mostly killing your digital character. So with a custom physics engine and animated ragdoll physics, which are my favorite kind of physics, uh, Flipmaster offers a dynamic and entertaining trampoline experience that you'll find addicting without breaking any bones. It just makes me think about The Simpsons when Homer got a trampoline. The trampopoline? Pamtopoline. <laughs> That's all the time we have left. I want to thank uh, both uh, Graham and John for helping me put this all together. Don't forget to visit our website at getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, podcasts of the app show and also our sister show, Get Connected, as well. That's all the time we have left. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.